This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Steve Evans and Stevenage steamrolled into Swindon and they took all three points next, the big railway derby. So solid crew, and here to discuss with it, uh, with me, with it ever so enthusiastically as ever. What a lovely surprise to have Mr. Joe Acklam. How are we doing, Joe? Yeah, major surprise for the presser, I would suggest. But yeah, speedy job from Stevenage, if you'll pardon the referee's name based pun. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it, it, for 15 minutes, it was looking pretty horrendous. But uh, how did you find it, JR? I think it was. <sighs> I was thinking about this the other day of comparing it, of course, you know, the immediate reference point is everything else that we've been watching, you know, over the last four to five, six weeks and and onward. And when I think back to that, I mean, yeah, we are coming off the back of uh, two wins, which was a nice change of pace. So in comparison to as bad as it has been, um, it wasn't that bad. There were... I dread using that word. I've heard I've heard the words green shoots too much in the last few weeks. Um, it was a reasonable enough performance. Um, listen to Dan uh, expertly uh, digest it for me on my behalf, but it just felt a bit of a meh game, really, didn't it? Yeah, it's always nice when someone else does my thinking for me. But um, yeah, I've, I mean, first 15, 20 minutes, it, I, I was genuinely thinking it might be nine nil to Stevenage. It was it was that dominant from them. But I think Swindon actually from that point 
recovered pretty well. They second half there wasn't Stevenage weren't doing much and that wasn't being directly given to them, which happened maybe twice. So yeah, I think for a team that are pushing right at the top like they are, they probably dropped off a bit. But I, I, I thought you know against a team like that, it was it was not a, it was wasn't a bad thing and you know disappointing to lose the. The, the um unbeaten run which was looking like we might be able to get to the end of the season with but I thought it, you know it was fine <laughs> there was there was no major complaints like there have been at various points during this season yes it was and it's it's a depressing thought isn't it when you're looking at a team like Stevenage and they're not not the most uh, illustrious of teams not the you don't imagine that they've got a uh, a war chest, and yet, yet we're we're pleased that we've only managed to lose one nil to um to a team of that stature. It's it is a low point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think last week you look at all the teams that are going right at the top, and basically all of them, you're thinking, how has this happened? How are they doing like this? But if you ask Jody Morris, I think everyone's got a war chest compared to us. Well, quite. We'll get onto that a little later because uh, that was definitely a theme in today's um, today's presser. And uh, I was saying off mic, I don't know if it will be a a short show because you know we certainly can uh, keep the chat going. But it seemed like you had a very short shrift today. Yeah, I mean, I think it was still twenty minutes the recording, so I think it was still you know, possibly a bit shorter, but roughly the same length. But it didn't, no, I I do agree. It didn't really feel like it was that long. Maybe it was all the build up and anticipation of the uh, the time getting delayed whilst we were whilst I was already mid live blog that uh, made it feel like that. Yeah, been a lot of talk about uh, you know players being on the beach about the season being over. I am getting that feel that now that we've had the um, you know had the Tuesday evening home game, we've had two Tuesdays back to back, and yeah, this is the last away stop off for us that. It feels a bit like fans that were not necessarily on the beach, but we're all thinking about that final day against Scott Lindsay's Crawley, against having you know Dion Conroy, Anthony Grant, Ben Gladwin uh, back in SN1. And before we get there, we've got uh, another fixture. And I really enjoyed in the live blog because, of course, um, last time round that they managed to squeak a 1-0 over us with a very cheeky uh, penalty. I think that you'd praise of being masters of the the dark yet delightful art of shithousery, didn't you? Well, I don't know if it was accusation, more of a statement of fact, but I mean, it was one of the great performances of Housery not performed by a team being managed by Cholo Simeone, I think you'd have to say. They, they were absolutely expert. I mean, I think we've seen it a few times. Colchester away put those moves on Swindon, um, various different teams have done it at different times. But I thought Crew were just absolutely brilliant, led by, as, as frustrating as it was, given he's ex-Oxford, um, Dan Adji, who I think rolled on to, back onto the pitch at various points, kicked the ball away. Every time the ball was near him, it was slowed down after he scored that early penalty. So you know, I thought you have to take your hats off to Crew for that day. They really did. Um, pull pull out every trick in the book to get that result over the line, which, as it has turned out in the long run, meant absolutely nothing to either team. So they needn't have bothered. Well, yes, as we say, we've got to take small mercies where we can find them. And judging from their recent form, it's not looking like it's going to be uh, one for the ages, is it? 
I won't. I think you know these these kind of things. I think them in terms of you know uh, legendary end of seasons games. This would be a pointless answer kind of situation. No one's going to remember it from either side. It really t- doesn't matter to either team. Um, they they can try and make it lively. End of season games often are in t- in terms of things getting a bit wild when people don't care and they aren't trying quite as hard. That concentration slips. Hopefully, we get that and it becomes a bit of a a Wigan situation from the end of that season. But yeah, this I would be surprised if this is one that lives long in the memory. Mm, quite. And you know, it would have been a nice a nice opportunity to gain some momentum, but we're still tinkering and chopping and changing. And uh, so we'll crack straight into the presser with Mr. Jody Morris, as ever, looking ahead to crew. And I guess my first question as always is to ask about that treatment table. We've not had Johnny Williams on the weekend, and I think everybody was concerned to see Tom Brewitt went off fairly early in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, I think Brewitt picked up that injury fairly fairly early on, and obviously Williams was was a no show, which which we had discussed in terms of uh, where what he might be thinking of at the end of the season, and both of them are ninety nine percent out in terms of this weekend. Uh, Williams. Uh, had has been in training. He would have he would have trained today on Thursday as we record this, but uh, Saturday was perceived as being far too early for him to be coming back in. Um, it, it started out as a he's a no, and then it was slightly walked back a little bit, but um, almost almost definitely won't be available. Uh, Tom Brew hasn't been training, and they don't know the extent of the injury yet, which I felt was a bit weird. Um, maybe the I, I guess he wasn't in on the Wednesday, so they. They haven't looked at it quite as yet. They probably know by now, but um, he, they definitely don't foresee him being involved because, as I say, he hasn't been in training at all and wouldn't have been today. Um, and even Williams was doing that. So those two absolute no's adding to uh, Joe Tomlinson and um, Ellis Yandler, who it does look like has been in training, but I would be a bit surprised to see him back involved. So those those four, and obviously people like Baldry and Kian Harry's, uh, all still unavailable. It does seem a bit Im- ambiguous about the Bruit situation, so I suppose we can only conclude uh, for ourselves that that could well, you know, be him for the season. I mean, one thing that has carried over from last season, arguably, that uh, of the few things that actually have, is that we are still actually quite cautious in getting people who have been injured back into uh, into training. You know, the the fitness and um, physiotherapy side of it has always been quite vigilant this season and last season so I don't imagine that anybody's going to be rushed and like you say if he hasn't been in training this week you can't envisage him making an away a last game of the season appearance at the county ground against Crawley so maybe that's it for Brewitt until after the summer and it looks like from what Morris was saying last week that that could be it for for Johnny, period. Yeah, I hope for Tom Brewitt's sake that the um, contract extension clause wasn't twelve games, and it was it was ten, like we figured, because it'd be a cruel way for a season to end if that that doesn't end up getting triggered um, because of this this small injury to end his season. As you say, I'd be surprised if he comes back for Crawley, even if they do have a bit longer to wait. And with the Monday game, Johnny Williams might wait, might well have played his last Swindon Town game in that five one against Wimbledon. Um, with the way things are looking, there isn't really any point in bringing him back at this point. Um, you know, he's, he's 
he's almost certainly not here next year by by all the noises everyone has made around the situation and he's injured anyway so what would you rush him back for really so um that it does look like a, a curtain closing on that career which is slightly sad because he has been a good servant for Swindon over the past two seasons but uh past is new has seemed inevitable for quite a while slightly sad it's slightly slightly you see my profile picture on twitter you know i feel about it i I should have my own pod in the summer about how disgraced I am that he'll be gone. But such such is life and such is Swindon Town as well. But uh, in his absence, tinker around a bit with the midfield and uh, some discussion about George McEachern playing a bit further forward. How did Jody think that that worked out for him? Yeah, it, does, it sounds like he's trying to give McEachern more of a, a cr- crucial role in the creativity process. He's at times criticised, well, criticised maybe might be a bit strong, but try, egged on McEachern to be a little bit more impactful creatively. And I feel like against Seamus, he, he kind of was. He, he was driving Swindon forwards a lot and making things happen. So it was a good performance from him. Um, he's played Swindon moved from a 4-3-3 more in towards a 4-2-3-1, which I gather is what they did at um, Plough Lane as well, where uh, Kane and Kant were sitting in the two and then McEachern playing higher up as a number 10. Um, Morris said it's something that obviously at Chelsea he's he's done for him a lot, which is particularly interesting because that that the team that McEachern was in contained Jamal Musiala amongst others. Um, so interesting that McEachern was able to play as a number ten, given some of the people that would have been up against him. But um, you know, he said in the sort of Jude Bellingham way of uh, he can play he can play six, eight, and ten. Um, throughout the midfield, so he's he's very capable of playing all over the place. And the way Swindon were trying to set up, it lent itself more to McEachern being that uh, attacking, creative fulcrum higher up the field. So that that was the reason behind it. And again, it was it's very much wanting McEachern to influence games a lot more creatively. When if he plays as as the holding midfielder, often he's tempo setting, but maybe not always going to be playing those killer passes because that's not quite your role. So him being number 10 will help him to do that. And also he's, as, as people will have noticed, he's very effective in the press. So him playing higher up helps him to do that more as well. Yes, definitely. Definitely a uh, a big favourite in terms of how he's gone. Now, I think and I'm going, I'm going for the, mm, let's say the polite version of the criticism, because two players that naturally would have came up today in the press, um, Jake Kane and Tyree Shade. Now, Again, you know, putting it putting it kindly, I guess the the kindest thing the fan base was saying about Shade on uh, on Tuesday was that you know he's largely anonymous or barely noticeable, and there seems to be you know the prevailing opinion that Kane is just simply not ready to perform at this level. Um, but I think that Morris was maybe a little a little more kinder on their performances, wasn't he? Yeah, he was certainly more more kind than those analysis. I don't think he was particularly kind to Shade, um, though. I, I saw someone refer to him as the worst player they'd ever seen play for Swindon, which feels a little bit harsh. I mean, there have been some pretty bad players who played for Swindon before, so I don't think Tyree Shade would come anywhere close to that category. But um, he, he he kind of feels like, and it was something Scott Lindsay talked about a lot as well. And at times he has done this, but he's talking about um, with Tyree Shade wanting him to be able to to use more of what he has being, I think he's what, 6'1", 6'2", Tyree Shady's pretty fast, 
can be quite a strong, very skillful player as well. Those are the kind of things he wants from a winger, but he, that he isn't getting enough from Shade. And he said he's he's spoken to him probably more than any other player. So since he's been here and trying to get him to to get out to get out of him what he believes he has, and it doesn't feel like he's getting that. At times he has. I feel like he you know did very well. Um, think off the bench at Rochdale, he scored a couple of goals in the run-in before going off on international duty, and I think he had a bit of an injury as well. So that has interrupted things a little bit. But certainly Morris sees similar things to what some of the fans are saying. That there is more there to be got. Um, and with Kane, it was kind of similar. He felt the last couple of games he's actually done a lot better. And I think I would agree. I thought Kane was pretty decent on Tuesday, to be honest, after that early on start where he was bullied a little bit. But after that, he came back and I thought he did quite reasonably well. But um, but he, he he felt, and this has certainly been something I've thought about Kane, that at certain times in this since he's got to Swindon, games have passed him by a little bit. He doesn't have quite the impact on them that he needs to. And you know, they've, they've had conversations about this, that as well and trying to get Kane to, to show that quality that meant you know he's played. If anyone read that article that was written about him and Tom Clayton in The Athletic, you know, he was involved in the Liverpool first team quite a few times. Um, traveling and training and all those things. So there's clearly loads of quality there and just trying to get more of that out on a regular basis. And Morris said that in the last few games, he's, he's been increasingly pleased with what Kane has done. But I think the overarching theme for both of them is there's more there to be to be shown. Hopefully over the summer, he, he can get some of that out because both of them are contracted. Yeah, I think that a couple of times I've seen Kane in the last few games, he might have been guilty of a few... Uh, a few panicked, lofted passes to nobody. But these are all things that come with time, aren't they? And over the course of the season, I think Shade is somebody who, rather than maybe being a confidence player, is somebody who seems to perform best when he feels like he's got something to prove, a bit of fire in his belly. When he's come off the bench and uh, not started, usually he's been quite impactful there. But all this talk about uh, you know players stepping up, not stepping up, you're going to invite questions about uh, absentees and Ricky Aguilar's name came up for the first time in, I think a long time in the press. Uh, what was, uh, what was the, uh, the vibe in the room of bringing, bringing his name in? Do you think? Um, worse? I think it, it was not a positive answer. If you're um, Ricky Aguilar, I thought the most pointed bit that he said, I made sure to get it in the live blog. Sometimes you're a little bit behind, but he said, He's a very good technical player and does good stuff in training when he's unopposed, which it implies that whenever there's anyone close to him, he really isn't that good at all, which is, you know, it's just, it's not a great thing to be hearing for Ricky Aguiar, who's certainly had a bit of a lost season here. Um, he said he essentially when he came back from Torquay, um, Morris said he, he would be better served going out on loan again. And he said... And I don't know if this is a burn on Aguiar or a burn on Sandro, but um, he said that he doesn't know who the takers were or what happened there. So either no one was in for Aguiar or they didn't, or, you know, they they kind of fumbled negotiations a couple of times with non-league sides or whatever went on. Um, meant that he didn't go out on loan and he's sort of been stuck in a bit of uh, just sort of training and not doing very much. And he's very rarely even on the bench. So, you know, he said there was... He felt there was some something there technically that he's a good player, but he's been he's been behind people quite a lot. He's behind quite a few players in that pecking order, which is 
also seen midfielder Jackson Brown get on the bench in the last two games as well. So ahead of him, which is, again, not particularly positive for a person who I believe has another two years on his contract. It was difficult, yeah, because he'd gone on loan to Torquay and they're right in the mire of the relegation battle. I think it's hard to kind of assert yourself. And I know you seem to get moved all around the pitch. I'm someone who's begged all year, like, let's make friends with the National League team. Let's stop, you know, going for the National League South and North. And players have been loaned all over the place this year to mixed effect. Chippenham. Chippenham is the destination. That seems to be the one that actually works. Um, probably because they don't have huge budget and are very grateful to have the lone players and actually would use them. But, uh, yeah, a lot of our loans at that level have not really transpired too much. And then when Ricky's had his National League loan, it didn't really seem to work out well for him. But uh, transitioning seamlessly on, of course, because getting towards the tail end of the end and people are thinking about building for next season, now, if we take a trip to the Joe Zone, you had a question about recruitment, and I believe it was about the young men between the sticks. Should we have a listen? Let's do it. Another player who's kind of been in around but not in the team, Connor Bran. You said you didn't know if he would get a chance this season. Are you planning on using him in either of the last two games? I don't. I don't think he's ready for a game yet, um, and that was mine and Mildy's thoughts. Um, he's very he's very raw and new to the goalkeeping side of stuff he's been out for a good while with his injury but I have been pleased really with his progress as has Mildy um, but um, Tom's uh, a bit of a project and there's a there's a, there's a long term view in place with with Connor um, so regarding getting games between the end of the season is a small chance, but um, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, but it, it it's a small chance. Is he not ready from a physical point of view, or is it a more sort of goalkeeping level at this point in his career? Probably a bit of both. Um, but like I said, in saying that, um, both the staff. And myself have been pleased with with Connor's progress, um, considering where we kind of thought he'd be coming back from the injury. He's actually made some real good progress and and actually been doing some real good stuff in 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 training. Training to games is is, is two different things. Yeah, so you asked about Connor Brand there. Uh, he had that dreadful, unfortunate freak injury in the, I think it was at a warm down, wasn't it? Um, so he's been the number two when he's been fit. Other than that, there's been Copland as well. Uh, it would have been nice to get people to run out, but it doesn't seem like they're, they're quite ready. Bryn will be going back. Just wondering what you're thinking, um, you know, our goalkeeping situation looks like next year. I mean... The obvious link is with Lewis Ward in terms of goalkeeping next season. Um, I think we've asked a few times about Brand, certainly in terms of the EFL trophy earlier in the season where there clearly wasn't a want from Scott Lindsay to, to use him in those games and Solbrin kept playing in them. So you think, because they, they always speak really highly of, of Connor Brand, but then is he going to play? Obviously not. What will we play him for? 
um, comes out. You know, they're like, oh, he's doing great in training. He looks really good. Superman Hall speaks really highly of him, uh, but obviously he wouldn't go in the game. That would be what ridiculous. Um, so yeah, obviously there's, there's basically no chance Brin comes back next season. Be very surprised if he isn't playing League One or higher. Um, and then uh, you'd imagine Lewis Ward comes in. I've always maintained if he comes in, I would like him to be the number two again because I just don't think his distribution is good enough. Um, and then presumably we'll be signing someone else and maybe there'll be a chance for Connor Brand to go out on loan somewhere. I don't know. If he can't play for Swindon at all, presumably Chippenham might be a bit above his level for next season, but we'll wait and see what, what ends up happening with him. I can only speculate as well because um, you know Copland has maintained a place on the bench as well, and I can imagine that yeah he must be highly thought of for them to not to go for the you know the emergency loan option for cover. Or can you only do that if you, you have uh, to play the emergency first one? Oh, they've got to be played. Uh, well, that would have been an out, and we never did manage to wrangle with the PFA about the Lewis Ward situation. A lot of people are expecting that. Uh, yes, he will be back in town colours next year so oh we'll have to watch this space and a couple of players that have been considered as options to take on for next year we've seen brief renaissance of uh, Luke Jeffcock coming back into the side seemingly edging out Austin as a choice um, but also Joe Tomlinson was discussed who um, when he came in uh, on a loan I believed we had a option but Again, much like when we say about uh, Jody Morris not being in the loop about options for Ricky Aguiar and not knowing what was going on with his loan, it's not the only thing that Jody Morris seems to be uh, not clued in on, is it? On that finances stuff, you said on Monday that you're having those kind of chats this week. Have they happened yet or is that in the next two days? Still ongoing. Still ongoing. So you don't know the budget yet? No. Okay. Yeah, the linking factor, obviously, between Jeff Gott and Tomlinson is both loan players with options to buy in those deals. Um, and this is the first in our two-part series on the presser called uh, Swindon Town have literally no money at the moment. Um, when um, you know, Morris spoke positively about both of them, um, Jeff Gott, he said, you know, he, he didn't know about the finances, but if if Jeff Gott would be available to him, he was someone he, he's someone he would like to explore in keeping around for next season. He's been you know, fairly impressive in the last couple of weeks. He's spoken about it a few times, um, about him liking him as a player. And and then it was a similar situation with Tomlinson, where uh, he said a few weeks ago now that he did want Tomlinson to be a part of his team despite the injury. Um, and he said he, he made it clear to the higher-ups that he liked Tomlinson, but um, I'm not sure the finances are in our league to do that, was the direct quote. Um, sounds up, um, which is a bit weird because if we've got this buy option, it means we negotiated the price for what the buy option is. So I don't know what that money is, but either we were very desperate on deadline deals. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll put it in 150k. I don't mind. Um, and we're not. And it was sounds like it's very much beyond us. He said he wouldn't even insult Clem or Fooney by asking him to to give him that money to buy. Joe Tomlinson like that. I saw a few people's takeaway thought this was about wages. I'm pretty sure this is about transfer fee um, because of that buy option. You know, Tomlinson wouldn't be free. He is still at Peterborough for next season. So um, it sounds like at, actually picking that option up, up definitely won't happen. 
possibly they go back with Peter and try and negotiate something different. Um, he said to Tomlinson and his agent uh, that he he wants he wants him to still be around and told them about the situation that Swindon can't really afford what Peterborough and they agreed in January, but he would still like to keep him around. So that's possibly uh, setting up to a bit of a transfer saga, but not good news if you were a fan of keeping Tomlinson here for next season. Well, okay, let's 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 go into the weeds a bit here because we got Jeff got in after the season had started. Um, I said before, you know, he was twenty twenty one that year when you know we went down the COVID season. He was the man. He was the wonder kid at Plymouth, and the following season just didn't seem to crack on. You see where they are in League One now. They're obviously pushing for a return to the championship. And I anticipate when you're in those sorts of positions, things get a bit more rigid and a bit more inflexible. And he's found himself pushed out with that reputation and status that he would have had then. I imagine any buyout when he's coming in on loan then, because I think that was an option that we could have taken up in January, wasn't it? But I don't imagine that that was particularly cheap. And based on how he's been utilised... And I don't. I'm. I'm not there on the training ground. Perhaps this is, uh, you know, down to Jeff Cott's personal responsibility and application. Um, but for whatever reason, it wasn't taken up then. Whereas, I think the vibe was. I think it's fair to say the vibe there was quite ambiguous when he was taken on that we might go for it if it's working. If not, then he's here on loan for the season. The Tomlinson one, when that was unveiled and being till the end of the season, plus the fact that we've taken him on loan when he's already injured, uh, which has been a, you know, that's been a prevailing facet of his last 12 to 18 months or so in football. Something would have told me that if there was a arrangement that that can be made permanent, that it's not going to be in the bank breaking ideas. And I guess it comes back to this idea of Swindon Town in a general sense of, you know, that we've exchanged contracts on owning our ground for the first time. We have advisory boards every uh, month telling us how much the debt is reduced, how much we have uh, interest-free debt owed to the chairman, Clem Orfuni, that uh, is interest-free. Um, and yet, Jody Morris seems to be under the impression that... Uh, there's very little money to be had. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had the promise from Rob Angus, scurried away in the programme notes, and not really particularly effective unless you're an avid collector these days. Um, but the words stick out of where it said that we had his word, but the greatest respect to Rob, um, but he is an employee and is not the person who's going to be putting in extra money if there is any there and even if there were no extra money to be had it's fairly consistent how and this is back of a fag packet economics 101 here that most football clubs will run their wage revenue based on their share of tv rights and that the day-to-day is priced on who comes through the door merchandise concessions that kind of stuff so incoming I don't imagine would have changed. We've had astonishing gates for a year. 
probably some of the best home attendances always sell out our away account allocations as well. Um, so it's it's quite shocking to hear the manager say that, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. I think, generally speaking, the budgets are going to be based upon forecasts more than they are what you did last year. And I guess if, and I suggested this, I think Monday, possibly a week ago, that the the season tickets possibly, and the way that has gone, is possibly holding up this budget just conversation, as you'll hear in a minute. Um, that those conversations are going on at the moment. Um, presumably, this could have been a pointed statement towards what is going on to try and rile the fans up a little bit more. Not that they really needed it; they were already pretty, pretty on board with the "Can we have a proper budget, please?" situation. But if the season ticket bad sales are as bad as we think we they are, then the club is probably think panicked a little bit and thinking, "Wait a minute, our budget is going to going to have to be much lower next season because our income is going to be falling." Because you know the TV revenue isn't quite so great in League Two and everything else, so potentially that has panicked things. I'd, I don't know. Maybe the Tomlinson buy option did feel affordable at the time. I don't know if it was something that was a deadline day rush. To, oh, we'll get it in. It doesn't matter. We 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 take it. We don't. I I don't know. But it it is all a slightly worrying statement, especially paired with 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 another answer about travel arrangements. And we'll come on to that in a moment, but yeah, people were promised this season that there was a promotion push. It hasn't happened. People have come out in their numbers, and I guess the immediate reaction that comes off from, you know, I suppose digesting that, that it's, I wouldn't say it's not fair, it's completely outrageous to expect the fans to be almost held to ransom, that uh, nothing doing until you hand over your, your cash. I mean, We've been very well supported by walk-ups and there's much more or a much bigger fan base out there in the county, in the wider country, uh, than just the season tickets who go uh, week by week, whose loyalty uh, you know, should be commended. There's plenty of people who travel up and down, home and away. Um, but there's a wider catch on that and that not everything necessarily relies on season ticket sales. Uh, and you have to, you have to have a. I know that people will, you know, deride real fans or that kind of uh, that kind of chat, but it's a product. At the end of the day, you are competing with everyone going to Shoreridge or going bowling and ice skating. You are competing with, you know, other things that people could be doing. And if you've got that that groundswell of support and you're getting the kind of gates and the level of interest. Ian Swindon has not been higher in my time of supporting for decades. Um, it's an enormous open goal, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's, there's certainly got to be a, a degree of expect to accumulate where if you put it on the pitch, then people will come and watch it. We saw that last season where you know the gates were strong to start out with, but by the end they were 14,000, 15,000 every week. So you know, I, I, I think they definitely have to, visit, to go that way. I'm I'm just saying what I expect is the club's current point of view, where Clem has already put quite a lot of money into this thing because of the debts, and possibly he's not wanting to put all that up front. I imagine that's what it is. It's not what anyone wants to hear. It's clearly not what Jody Morris wants to hear. Um, And I think there possibly does need to be more bravery there, but this seems to be the way they're going at the moment, and it's all making for pretty bad noises 
for a back end of the season that was already going badly wrong. Exactly. It's it's not the it's not the rallying cry that people need, and the the fact that Morris feels obligated to do it, whatever his motivation may be, does not suggest a very harmonious camp. I mean, we could debate the budgets or things till the cows come home. And as I've said earlier, you know, being beaten by Stevenage, I think that's against the run of the grain. I don't think they've had, you know, a massive budget to get in the position that they are. There's plenty of people I'm sure who've picked up a wage this year who weren't utilized effectively enough. Um, so yeah, that doesn't bode all. And, you know, not everything is all about giving six figure sums to Peterborough or the like, but it's not just, it's not just the fact that things that were supposedly, um, seemingly done deals, uh, in January are now beyond our reach. Uh, it's the fact that he's happy to present himself out there in front of journalists in the media range presser as being completely out the loop as being, you know, a man, an island almost. Yeah, it's, it's always quite puzzling given all the noise that the Jody Morris made coming in about the elite environment and all that stuff that either it's not happened at all or he's playing a bit of a character here that she was trying to get what he wants in, in negotiations, which which managers are always going to do in these kind of situations. But it's it all it's all not not helping when the football has gone back was gone wrong back end of the season. Uh, for various different reasons, which of which Shirley Morris is one, um, and and then you know there's there's this clear sort of press standoff at the moment with with what he's saying that again just just isn't helping energize fans in the time where the club probably really need them to be energized to get this season to get next season rolling quite quickly. I think it goes beyond next season as well. I think that if I think we need some urgent communication from uh, the people upstairs. We need Mr. Morfuni to poke his head above the parapet and you know, make a statement to fans. By the time Crawley comes ne- comes around, I mean, whether he was in the country or not, that's that's for the birds. That doesn't matter. I think the impact of that could go, could go quite deep, really. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's concerning enough that it's time to... Uh, Allay those, allay those fears, and and be upfront and honest. You know, if the plan is, like you say, there was lots of debts. The club was in a mess when it was inherited. Just exchange on the ground. Got ambitious ideas to refurbish it. If the plan is, you know, slow and steady for a couple of years and see what happens, and you know, watch the watch the pounds and the pennies watch themselves, then be honest about that. Is what I'm saying about that. Yeah, what happened to Lee Power's five-year plan, eh? I completely agree with the, with the Clem thing. And I, I think when he has spoken, it's usually gone quite well in terms of fan reaction. And generally speaking, football fans aren't that difficult to win over. You just sort of, you know, you just have to sound positive about things, make the right noises about promotion stuff, and they'll get and they'll get going because I haven't got much else to hang on to in the first place. So I think he definitely should be speaking out. Um, you know, I, I I would quite like to be able to speak to some people higher up to try and get some of those answers myself. Uh, I may or may not have asked. Um, so hopefully that can happen. Hopefully, you know, by, by Crawley, things are a bit more positive sounding. Definitely. Well, looking forward to Crew 
Mr. Morris maybe had a sore head, um, but he probably would have had to dash off to uh, maybe get uh, his affairs in orders and get an early night because another thing about money pinching is um, I think we're travelling up on the day, aren't we? Yeah, Swindon have got no money part two. Uh, Swindon will, will not be staying overnight ahead of the crew game. I think you said it was about two and a half hours up to crew. I, I, I don't know specifically. But um, you know, he was he didn't sound overly pleased. He said the decision was made before he arrived. So when Swindon were thinking this game probably would mean something, they in January, December time, wherever it would have been, they, they'd already made that decision. Presumably it's a club policy in terms of distance. They did the same ahead of Wimbledon and got a pretty good result there as well. So... Uh, you know, it didn't sound like something he was particularly pleased about having to do in terms of it not being obviously best preparation or anything like that um, for in terms of performance and players being able to stretch their legs and train them and such. Um, it's not going to happen. Obviously, he said very explicitly, I can only imagine it's for one reason, and that's saving money. So again, we're on the uh, on the penny pinching trail. You know, I tried to. I was going to pretend I tried to change the subject. Of course, I didn't try to change the subject on the same sort of thing. Now, of course, you know, in the context of things, if we'd if we'd made the travel plans, and you know, we're 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 men of the of the world. We occupy the um, you know the nerdist football reading uh, circles. We've all we've all put our nose into soconomics. What happened to marginal gains this is what you know the top teams will be doing when you know Wrexham and the Hollywood money are up here next year they're not going to be traveling on the coach behind the supporters uh, to each of their games um yeah Wimbledon in my head is a lot closer to Swindon than crew uh but of course in the here and now with nothing to play for you just say I don't know to travel lodge or whoever <laughs> please cancel our double rooms we won't be needing those the fact that it goes back to a point in time where, you know, Lindsay had left and we're still, you know, in and around those promotion places and that we should be making a push. That's the bit that, uh, in retrospect, that that concerns me. That that puts a different slant on how serious those ambitions were anyway. And I don't think that that was a slip of the tongue. Yeah, frankly, it was a detail he didn't need to mention. So I, I think it's very much the opposite of a slip of a tongue. It was a very pointed reference and something he, he meant to bring up when he asked about it because um, it comes about in the press conference. He mentioned in the question before about travelling up on the day unprompted and then jo- Johnny was going to ask about where, where they were training and then it became this question uh, rather organically. So um, it, this was clearly something he wanted to bring up again. As as I say, they are. He, he said themselves they're currently in those financial uh, negotiations or whatever that meeting would be about budgets. Uh, he brought this up of his own volition and um, specifically mentioned that the decision was made prior to his arrival. And it is very clear he is not happy about it and is trying to trying to make a point about it. He said in a different question, the media can be useful sometimes, and I think he knows what he was doing here entirely. Yes, when if you've got your trust STFC uh, survey, and if you are, um, you know, a member of the joint venture, you'll have some nice uh, things to complete. I think the deadline's coming up, so do get that filled in. And um, 
it's kind of scoping out the feasibility of certain projects, and one of them is a hotel. And I'm sure when we have a, a you know hotel on the premises, we'd be most aggrieved if uh, if opposition teams were not trying to make use of our welcoming hospitality and facilities, and then we could get people to set fireworks off in the car park or or whatever. It does seem like a, an extraordinary detail. It it doesn't seem like, and this has happened for a few weeks, it doesn't seem like things are particularly harmonious betwixt the uh, chairman and board. Um, and, you know, with my own professional hat on, this doesn't really seem to be a great way to uh, to to heal those divides, does it? No, it doesn't seem like he's on a peacemaking venture here. It feels like he's at, at the least trying to make a point and at the most trying to aggravate a situation to provoke a reaction back from the board. It def- definitely does feel like Jody Morris is annoyed at the moment. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that when he said that those um, budgetary meetings hadn't happened yet, they were actually already ongoing at the time and he's been trying to make this point for a little while now. He was probably told about a budget and said that's not good enough. And maybe that's what the delay is, um, because I, because it, it feels like he has withheld there withheld various things from these press conferences, like various clauses and and what was happening with them, like we learned about Rashad Hepburn Murphy um, on Monday when no um, when when he'd been asked about his future before and not mentioned it. So uh, he doesn't always say everything that goes on. I think potentially this could be one of those things where this is a really ongoing process with Jude Morris in the club where he's really, really trying to drive what that budget might be um, and clearly is very not happy about what that number is on that piece of paper or potentially an email. But I, I just, it's more fun if it's a piece of paper. It is more fun if it's a piece of paper. I, if I take my if I take my panicked uh, Swindon Town fan uh, hat off and take a breather for a moment, I guess maybe that I think that you might be right that it might just be a little bit of posturing, a bit of power play of just trying to, you know, trying to get that that recruitment involvement there. So, you know, it could be um, could be a, a slightly manipulative but well intentioned way to uh, ingratiate that side of things. Um, has Morris had a look at a look at crew? What's he What's he anticipating coming up against? Um, he couldn't kind of say anything specific about crew, I and mean, there'll be a different challenge. To Stevenage, uh, he mentioned that Swindon had uh, not done as well um, as they should have done against teams below them. I, I imagine he's talking Rochdale, Hartlepool, Hartlepool's uh, other teams such as that. So, yeah, when Swindon haven't quite performed up to their level against teams who are below them, and maybe you are expecting more of a performance. Um, um, that was kind of all he said. This was again, um, this was before the travel question. This is when he brought in the travelling on the day isn't the best prep point. Hopefully, hoping someone would pick up on it. And uh, Johnny Leafle was straight in there with the rebound to get him his moment <laughs> to to complain about that particular piece of info. But yeah, not much on crew, really. Um, I don't think anyone cares, um, <laughs> probably from players to fans to everyone around. Uh, the game, as we've mentioned, isn't of loads of importance. But um, yeah, there was not a ton of detail uh, it wasn't like that time I got to see a dossier about various stats. I think it was about Northampton. Oh, those were the days. Hey? Well, it does It does matter to some of us. It matters, of course, to the Presser Prediction League, which is all important to keep going. So um, what are we calling here, Joe? What do you think? That is, of course, the most important, probably, result of this whole thing. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 to Swindon. 
I think we'll we'll get over the massive um, disadvantage of travelling up on the day and um, and get over the line and get another win back on winning ways. Hopefully end the season with two wins. Oh, if only I had your optimism. I'm going to go for a... Uh, I think I'll go for a, a score draw. Let's have a 1-1. One, one. I'll do that on Richard. I'm interested to see. I should ask Rich as to how my, uh, how my predictions are uh, either helping or impeding uh, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> the presenter column on these spreadsheets. Um, Okay, we'll go for that. Um, Joe, thanks very much. Thank you very much. And what we'll do is I realise I've missed off your Connor Brand thing, so maybe we'll just talk about that (laughs) on a recruitment thing and we'll glue it in, shall we? Yeah. Okay. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.